Oh man, God is so good. What a fun, fun, blessed morning I've had. Got first one in the pool up there before she ever even... Ah, I opened my Bible to another Bism right here that Miss B used to give us every Sunday. It says, as a child of God, whatever you do, you're working for your heavenly Father. Give him your best efforts. He will give you his joy. Give him your best efforts and he will give you his joy. Mm, that's beautiful. We definitely got to experience some joy up there. Uh, Cameron's probably still going to be drunk when she comes down. In the spirit. In the spirit. I, man, as I was uh, as I was preparing for for this week, I just kept getting something that I really thought, no, not that, no, not that, no, not that. I'm gonna go, but he was very consistent. It, it seemed, and I back to back to and back to. I love to preach about the goodness of God and all of the blessings and the amazing things that are involved with being a Christian, with being a follower. That's, what, that's, that's my heart. That's what I love. But I kept hearing this and going back and looking at it and thinking, no, I, I don't think so. I would rather finish up where Christy left off in Colossians. But wasn't that amazing yesterday? That girl can preach, can't she? Wasn't anybody here last Sunday? It's like, wow, that's enough to make a dad proud. Until you, you go back there and somebody says, it's about time for you to retire. That girl can preach. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, it was amazing. I loved it. It was a, a great and powerful, to the point, poignant message, I would call it. But I feel like here is where the Lord directed me, and, and I have thought, Man, what are, I better just start, start reading here. In 1 Timothy 4.1. Got my hands a little bit shaky, either still from the power that we just experienced up there or being nervous about this. This is Renee's grandpa's Bible, and there's still stuff in there that I try to keep, and one of them just fell out, so remind me to get that. Okay. I'm going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I'm ready. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, how many would agree we're in latter times right now? We are in latter times right now. Now the Spirit, Spirit of God, capital S, expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. When I've read this, I just try to usually just, you know, to kind of cruise 
past and, and, and just go over that because when in my mind I imagine doctrines of demons, it's like, you know, here's the doctrine book of demonology that talks about, you know, devil worship and all these kind of things. And so I, I like to just skip over that, but <clears throat> uh, I felt the Lord really wanted me talking about this this morning. So I, I would rather not, I would rather not, but here we go. Um, I want also to go to 3.16, Timothy verse 3, and the 16th verse of the third chapter. First Timothy 3.16. There we go. And without controversy... Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. I want to talk about a little, little godliness, and then we're going to go back to this demon stuff. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. So, and then we're talking about Jesus. Jesus. Our focus is going to go to Jesus here in a little bit, but I want to talk about doctrines of demons here a, a little bit first but God was manifested in the flesh and how so through the man of Jesus right manifested in the flesh of the man of Jesus justified in the spirit he was all God he was all man because he was flesh he was the, the flesh of man created as a flesh of man justified in the spirit by God seen by angels preached among the Gentiles believed on in this world through the miracles that he did the, the disciples that followed him and then received up into glory so there's Jesus and we're going to talk a lot more about him but now the spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, the trust, and the believing in Jesus, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. It's like, what in the world does that mean? Well, the reason that I'm going to speak on this is because I felt like the confirmation I got was, was it was almost like a, Lynn, do you remember? Oh, oh, oh. When God is teaching me something, and I know it's like this with all of us, at least to some degree, it's a hands-on experience. I learn best when I get my hands dirty and jump in and I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Okay, well, I went to the hospital. I've told this story at least one time before, so those of you that have heard it just go, oh, like it's brand new, okay? I went into the hospital to pray for, for, for somebody that was, was in the hospital and, and he had MRSA. And what that looked like, I didn't really know much of anything about it other than I had an uncle that died of MRSA infection. And so it was a little bit scary to me. But I went in there and I started off, I would just keep my distance a little bit and I, and I looked at his arm that that MRSA was and there was just like a sore in the middle of it kind of bumped out, and then a big, oh, red, swollen spot, almost the whole size of his underneath part of his forearm. It's like, oh. And they had drawn a circle around it just to see if it was spreading or if it was getting smaller. Some, apparently that's what they do. looks like, you know, someone with a, with a marking pen. 
put a circle around it. So I went in there, I visited with him and his wife just a little bit, and I'm standing on the other side of the door, you know, the bed here. I'm around on the other side of the door, and I'm, I'm talking to him, and I'm trying to look at that thing and, and, and build my faith to end up building his faith to pray for that, that thing that's on his arm that's all red and, and hot and swollen. It's just like, and got that nasty thing in the middle of it. And, and I'm just about to pray for him. I've just about worked up the, yep, let's do this. Uh, trying to figure out if I would actually touch it or touch him or, or what to do there still. It's like, and somebody stepped through the door of the hospital and took one step in and said, excuse me, did a little tap, said, excuse me. said, I'm the, I'm the hospital chaplain. It's like, oh, awesome, perfect timing just getting ready to pray for him and you can join in this prayer with me and so she stops right there takes about another half step and stops and says I probably pray a little differently than you do it's like that's okay (laughs) there's nothing all that special about my prayers I, I just pray and I said well how so and she took another little step and as I'm watching her this woman has like white hair so she's like my age or older from my perception, but most people that are my age or older are definitely older from my perspective, but I watched her. I'm watching her, though, and I was just like, she became stunning to me because her eyes were so piercing and beautiful blue. I was just like, wow, those eyes are are alluring. They're compelling to me. It's like, I'm just focused on her eyes as she starts walking, and then she starts talking about, I said, well, how do you pray? And she said, well, I believe that God is in all things, and there's power in and through all of these things that God is in and that he's a part of, and I'm just going, whoa, that. But the two people, the husband and wife, they're just looking at her too, and she, they're just like glued to her. So she continues to walk in as I, I just let her continue talking and sharing, you know, what, what she's about and, 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 and the power, the essence of God that is in all things anybody can access, you know, call on. It's like, oh, this is getting weirder. She walks over to the edge of the bed and, and the guy, I won't use names, he just started like just listening to her. He is just compelled. He's hanging on every word that's coming out of her mouth and I'm starting to get freaked out. It's like, I got no backup here. So we're sitting across from each other, and I'm having a hard time just not still looking into those eyes and just being like, oh, wow. Then I finally worked up the, straightened up a little bit and said, just what God do you serve? When I said that, this is probably the craziest, one of two or three of the craziest things I've yet seen, those beautiful blue eyes that so drew me in turned to a charcoal gray, almost black, and I was like, oh, whoa. And she turned around and just walked out. She was done once that demon had been identified. It's like, freaked me out, though. I'd never seen anything like that. I've seen demons and demonic activity before, a whole different, a whole different way. Never experienced someone that I would call very stately, almost beautiful, older. So, man, I went home and told Renee about that. Her aunt was a chaplain at that hospital, told her about it, and I described what that lady looked like, and she said, well, you know what the hospital 
I'm thinking that when we're in the hospital and we're in a vulnerable state like that, that the people that come in as chaplains are going to some way be vetted that they're believers in Jesus Christ, but they have to take and train anybody that wants to be a chaplain in some of the hospitals. I don't know, this particular one, I'm not mentioning any names, but downtown Caldwell, there's this hospital that's just like, oh, so talked to Renee's Aunt Jewel, and she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen her, I've seen her, and, and explained that situation. It's like, are you kidding me? When we're in the most vulnerable time, sick in the hospital, somebody like that can come in and lay hands on us, can pray for us, and pray, it's like, craziness, and be drawn in and sucked in. So it's like, doctrines of demons, like, where they're not pointing. I was just... I, Bethany came in the, in the house this morning, and I says, Bethany, tell me what you believe doctrines of demons is. And she said, oh, any doctrine that doesn't just point directly to Jesus, that doesn't put our focus on Jesus. And I said, awesome. <laughs> you got an A. You got an A plus this morning. It's like, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that really is good. Any doctrine that we start to buy into or start to believe that doesn't point to Jesus is doctrines of demons. Because it is drawing us away from the Jesus that came to save us. I think we're going to read one more and then we're going to go to some really positive stuff. Uh, 2 Timothy Four, three. For the time, I should go with verse 1 to start with. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom... Uh, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Four, verse three, the one I wanted to get to. For the time will come, and I would say, and is now. For the time will come and is now, I add, when they, and they, who is they? They is us. They is the people of God that he's speaking to right here. They will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So, but you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And each one of us have a ministry to fulfill. So I, and, I, and I think, okay, doctrines of demons. Doctrines of things that, that really vary from the effectual words that we read in this book right here. Something that leads us away from Jesus. If it leads us away from Jesus, it's a doctrine of demon. And if it's something that is not just clearly established in the Bible, I just think, and I look around at some really big ministry, some that I, that I have followed and that I've watched and that I've gleaned some really good stuff from, but then I start listening to some of the fine, let's say some of the, some of the details, and I believe 
that the truth that they are speaking as truth is truth that's associated with feelings. If it feels right, it's okay to do it. If it feels right. That, that we start attaching ourselves, attaching ourselves to, to doctrines, to preachers that are only speaking positive positive thing. And I love to speak about the positive. I don't like to go into the stuff that's warning and the stuff that's, that's scary. That, but, 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 but. It's truth and love. Truth and love. Truth and love. And if we truly love one another, we're going to be honest. And we're going to speak the truth, not just what sounds and feels good. It's like, okay, There are so often times that, you know, when, when, we, when we get or go seeker-friendly because we want to draw the people in, we want to draw the people in, but then we end up having to get so cautious by what we say so we don't scare somebody off that the truth gets so diluted that no longer are we truly speaking truth. <laughs> it's just like, oh... Doctrines of demons, anything that takes our focus off Jesus. Okay, I want to I read you now some things about who this man, who this man, this God-man Jesus, some of the things that he says about himself. He, you know, there are seven I am statements. I want to go to these seven statements. And then I, I Linda has the... Scripture's up there now for the seven statements. Starting with John 6.35, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. And to back that up, no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the door. I am the good shepherd. He is our incredible example, the one that... The one that that, that guides us, that leads us, that rounds us up, that teaches us the truth, that leads us into green pastures. Huh? I'm the resurrection and the life. <laughs> we were resurrected with him to walk in new life as we were baptized. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Again, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then the last I am statement is, I am the true vine. So I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. You know, he, 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 he trims back. But you are a part of that vine. If we're grafted into Jesus, we're a, we're a part of the vine. We're, we're a part. We are the part that produces the fruit. Right? All right. That's who Jesus says he is. Some of the things that we know about Jesus is he is omnipotent, all-powerful. There is no one more powerful. There is no one greater. There is no name more powerful than the name of Jesus. He's omniscient. He's timeless, all-knowing. He knows the past, the present, the future. See, it says the, in Jeremiah, it says, He knit you together in your mother's womb. He was there before creation, and he put you together in your, mother's, in your mother's womb, knowing the plans and the purpose that he had for your life, the beginning, the middle, and the end. There's lots of, lots of plans that he's got for you. It's just 
Sometimes it's unfortunate that we, we are people of free will and we make choices. By the time we end up getting to the end of our life, we can go back and look at the choices we made and thought, oh man, if I wouldn't have, if I would have. So, you know, but we have to scratch out the if-onlys and go with the promises that he has for us now. Because from this day forward, we're forgetting those things which are behind. We press on to the mark of the high calling on our lives. He's omnipresent. It's like he's everywhere at the same time. Now, doesn't that just about boggle your mind? That kind of hurts my brain a little bit. To think, not only is, is he timeless from beginning to end, and it's all together, and time is nothing to God. Also, he's everywhere at the same time. And when I can wrap my mind around that, it's really easy to, dis, to, to explain the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because I have complete understanding of those three things, omnipotence, omniscient, and omnipresent. How about you? <laughs> now, that is so hard to wrap my mind around. It, it, it's, it's amazing to me what, let's say, non-salvation issues that end up separating and driving Christians apart. Well, you don't believe, you don't believe. I mean, I, I've been pinned with this one several times. So you believe there's three separate gods or you believe there's only one? Is it Jesus only? Is it it's like, man, I believe that that's not a salvation issue. And if you can understand and explain to me omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresent, then I probably can explain to you the Godhead. Amen. <laughs> Does this make sense to anybody? It's like we let something like that completely separate us. Oh, I can't be a part of your fellowship because you believe this way. I can't be a part. It, that's a non-salvation issue. Are you with me? Now, I can tell you what now. I can tell you what I do think. I think that as I have learned, and in fact, I'm going to just explain to you a little bit of my, of my thought process in this. Do I think there are three separate gods? Absolutely not. Do I think there are three separate personalities? Absolutely, I do. I, I, I believe that, that God the Father, it reminds me of my, my father. I loved him. I respected him. I trusted him in, in the decisions and all that he made. And I hated it when I got whippings from him, but it ended up bringing correction into my life. And I, I had a, a somewhat of a, a little bit of a fear of him because I respected him, but he also became my best friend a little later in life. That, that, that was my... Father, and that's how I see Father God is he is, the, he is the one. He's the ultimate authority. He is those three things that I just described everywhere, all that. And, and Jesus, it's like, man, Jesus was the sacrifice that, that, that God sent. It was his son. It said, you know, when you, when you read about creation and, and it said the, the, the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters and then creation happened, this amazing thing that we see in the first day this and the second day through day six, all of this creation, he hovered over the water. Then it says that, that the Holy Spirit came over Mary. It's like, and then this perfect creation, this other perfect creation, came to earth, and that was Jesus, who was all flesh. He was man, but he was all God. And so we, get to, we got to experience, and he came with an, with an amazing purpose, and that was to sacrifice his life 
to live the perfect sinless life, though he was created, he, he came from a woman, from a, from a woman's womb. He was created, brought into earth all flesh and bone, and had to make decisions. I believe that he had like the soul of a man, the Spirit of God, and because the Holy Spirit did that, that hovering and that creation, there was created a being in Jesus Christ that had a very special blood, a DNA, a blood that only Jesus had, because it was a perfect blood that once it was shed, it took care of the remission of all sin. It removed and washed all of us clean. A one-time sacrifice for all time, past, present, and future. It's like, wow, is that not just like... Now that's, that's the Jesus and this Jesus is this incredible example that we all have to follow because we're flesh and blood. We were born of a woman. But when we're reborn, we have the Spirit of God that has come into us to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to empower us, to accomplish the will that He has for us. It's like, yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're amazing. Well, that's who Jesus was, that's who Jesus is, that's who the resurrected Jesus still is. Right? And he's gone to sit at the right hand of the Father. On the power side, on the victory side of the Father. Now, if that's one big stool, if that's one big God, I don't, I, I try to envision that and I was like, okay, I, I give up. But Jesus said, I must go that he will come, and greater things will you do because he's coming, him being the Holy Spirit. So Jesus left, Holy Spirit came. It's like, yes, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Once we're filled with the Holy Spirit and that gift that he's promised to all of us, there's an empowerment that happens and that takes place. So that Holy Spirit is guides us into all truth. He's our comforter. He is so many things. He becomes healer. There, there's so many things. He is the representative that Jesus says that he will bring to you the things that I have to say to you. So, he's here now. And Jesus is in us. And the Holy Spirit is on us and empowers us. But I think of the Holy Spirit myself when I think of Holy Spirit and when I'm communicating and, and thinking and pondering, it's like the Holy Spirit's more like my mom. My mom was the comforter in our family. She's the one that had, you know, had a whole lot of one-on-one -on -one with it that, that ended up doing a lot of teaching to me. And my mom is the one that I danced with on a fairly regular basis. She grabbed me by my left hand with her left hand, took a belt, and we just danced around in circles. She brought a lot of correction into my life. Not quite as sweet as the dance you were imagining, was it? I just call that the mother-son dance. But I learned a lot there, and my mom is the one that would come for me and, and, and listen, listen to me, listen to me. It's like, yeah, 
to me, that, that, that's the position when it says he will be our comforter, that the Holy Spirit can be almost like mom in our life. Does this make sense? Everybody's getting really quiet. You're a heretic, Lynn. Okay, thank you. Thank you. No doctrines of demons. We're just talking about Jesus. We're focusing on Jesus because he was the fullness of the Godhead in the flesh. Jesus was it all. Jesus had it all. And Jesus still does. He is alive. He's well. And our focus is on him. When our compass is set on true north, it's true Jesus right here. And we don't want to deviate. We don't want to create other doctrines that vary from the Word of God and any of those red letters. My goodness. Jesus speaks. Man, I am really impressed. I'm looking up and I'm talking fast enough that I'm getting through some stuff here. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, I felt like at one time, we were doing some study and reading, and, and, and then, again, a little bit later, I had this, this like vision of like waterfall, waterfall. And when I think of the forgiveness, the forgiveness of God, we're saved by grace through faith. By grace through faith. I mean, when I think of some of the, what, some of the grace that's preached today, and some of the, it's, it's kind of scary. It's, it seems to be doctrines of demons because it gets so slippery that it's just plumb scary to think of that kind of grace to me because it doesn't line up with all of the Word. I mean, you can pick about three or four scriptures and go, yeah, that's amazing grace right there, but it doesn't line up with all of the Word of God there. There's a whole lot more than just those two or three scriptures on grace. So I... I, I <laughs> A friend of ours, Augusto Perez, referred to that as greasy grace. Man, it's too slippery to create. put your feet in that. That's, that's greasy grace. That's truth associated with feelings. It becomes true to us because it feels right. It, it feels good. So we can, we can do that. But I feel like <clears throat> I heard a, well, either I heard or I was reading a message one time that says it's a continuous waterfall of grace and forgiveness. There's a waterfall of grace and forgiveness that's continually falling, so we don't need to be continually repenting. It's like, oh, no. The job of the Holy Spirit is to show us, to convict us, which leads us to repentance. And repentance is a wonderful thing. It's, it's just like my mom <clears throat> giving me a swat or two to get my attention to lead me to repentance, to change my behavior. The ultimate goal is changed behavior. We become a new creation in Christ, which means our behavior changes. It doesn't change just out of fear that I'm going to get my bottom whooped again. It changes because I know how loved I am. I know the sacrifice that was made for me, and I want to love him back. And I want to serve him because I love him. And because of that, I desire that correction in my life. And so when someone brings something to me, first, if I feel like that's from the Lord, I still might, might bristle just a little bit because it, it has shocked me. 
But sometimes he will use other people in my life to point something out to me in my life that is not in alignment with the Holy Spirit, with, with, with what God wants. And I was like, I bristle for just a little bit, and then I'll take it to the Lord and say, man, he was right about that. She was right about that. Thank you, Lord. Forgive me. And I want to move on because I want to continue growing. I want to get closer and closer and closer. So, I think about that, that waterfall of forgiveness. It, it is absolutely there, but if I've turned my back and gotten a few steps from that waterfall, I need to turn back around, walk back under that waterfall where I experience that forgiveness of sin and the amazing grace of God comes into my and washes me clean once I have asked forgiveness, I've repented and walked through the fountain again. Are you with me? The waterfall is there. It's there. It's there. It's there. We can turn. It's like, oh, yes. Refreshing. Acts, uh, Acts 3.18 talks about you know, in repentance, 3.18 and 19. Maybe we, maybe we could get it up there. Or not. It's not a big deal. It just talks about repentance. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets that Christ would suffer, he thus has fulfilled. Christ has done the suffering. And if so for us now, that just simply repentance. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Where does refreshing come from? The presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord because we've repented of our sins. Are you with me? It's good stuff. Ah. And now I, I had one. <laughs> I got this little picture just early this morning as I was sitting. I probably drinking coffee and I was just thinking, that gift. You know, it's, this, it's not something that we earn. Salvation is not something that we earn. Uh, grace is not something we earn. It's this amazing gift. And I was thinking about, you know, when, you're, when you look online and you look at the pictures, i tell you, a Home Depot cabinet came to me. Have you ever ended up buying those cabinets and thinking and had them delivered or gone and picked them up and a, a, a big cabinet like this with a beautiful front, beautiful face and doors, comes in a box that's about this high, that wide, and that long, with dowels and screws and some glue to put it all together. It's like, wow. See, it's as if I saw this this morning, like somebody gave me a gift card. This is all paid for. You go ahead, you go ahead and get your gift. You got the card, it's paid for, and then they delivered this this thing to me, and it's a set of cabinets that stacks about this high because it's, it's in boxes. It's like, whoa. Now I can see on the front of these boxes, and I can see online the picture that it was, but I didn't realize that there was going to be a lot of assembly required to end up with this beautiful thing here. It's like, wow, okay. So when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, there is this amazing, incredible gift of salvation. 
of grace. We're saved by grace through faith. We did nothing to earn it except step, <clears throat> excuse me, except step up and say, I want it. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Come into my life. I'm ready to receive this gift. And then we receive that gift and we're washed clean, clean, clean. We're baptized to walk in a newness of life. We've become a new creation in Christ. And we have that picture of Jesus to look at because he's our example. It's like this is what I'm asking for. This is what I've, what I've ordered and it's already been paid for. Now there's some assembly required. It's like, okay. So there are some steps that we have to end up taking ourselves even though that was all free and it was all paid for and it's even been delivered. Now I've got to put this thing together a little bit myself. Some assembly required, Dustin. You know what I'm talking about. Salvation is a gift. The grace of God is a gift. Spiritual gifts are gifts. But some assembly required. There's some studying that's needed. There's some things that we have to do. It doesn't just, it, it doesn't just take care of itself. It's in a pile right there, the, these gifts in this cabin. We have to do some assembly. We've got to put it together. And you know what? That's what our Christian lives are. And here is the assembly book. Here's the instructions to put this all together. It's, it's, it's right here. But, okay, oh, yes, yes, yes. And we read through the Gospels and we see what Jesus did and who Jesus was. And it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, oh, but. I don't see this part right here. Yeah, or I got some extra parts here. How does this all, this all work? You know, we've been granted access. You read those instructions and there's an 800 number. It's like, don't call Home Depot. Call this number for a problem. But you know what? We have this incredible 800 number where we have a direct line to Jesus. We can call the Maker. We can call the Creator really quick, really easy, because we've been given access. We can study the manual, and we can study the manual, and when we get tripped up, when we get stumped, it's like, okay, Jesus, I need some help here. Are you with me? Yeah. Making sense? Yeah. Now, I, I want to revisit a little bit of that, of that grace thing. There's a, there's a scripture, Linda, you could probably even find this for me. Where Jesus says, if you don't acknowledge me, I won't acknowledge you before my Father. Like, if you're not proud of me, if you don't love me enough to acknowledge me before your friends, before your family and stuff, I won't acknowledge you before my Father. And that's what's really important, is to be acknowledged before the Father. He says, <clears throat> I won't acknowledge you. It's like, and I was thinking, like, Jesus is so good, and when, when we preach Jesus and we talk, you know, a salvation message, and, and then we say, <clears throat> every eye closed, every eye closed. If you've never met Jesus, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, into your life, if he's not your everything, you know, raise your hand right now so you can receive Jesus. And I've done that either once or twice because I've watched it, and I've studied it a little bit and thought, you know, that... That kind of makes sense because then every, every eye, every head bowed, every eye closed, raise your hand. It's like, you know what? If we are going to acknowledge 
Jesus, we should boldly acknowledge Jesus. If we're going to ask him into our lives, we shouldn't have a problem. It's like, okay, don't look, anybody. Don't look. It's like, no, no, no. He is looking for, his desire is for a remnant that will say, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I want more. I want more because we have been granted access. In Hebrews, it talks about we have been given access to boldly go where no man has gone before. And into the throne room of Jesus Christ, into God's throne room. Through the blood of Jesus, we've been granted access into the Holy of Holies. We can go there. We can go there. He's given us access. All right, I have time now to, to uh, go to John 6. I love it that, that John positioned himself as the disciple Jesus loved. <laughs> I want to be the preacher Jesus loved. You don't even need to call me just Pastor Lynn. Just call me the one Jesus loved. <laughs> I like that title way better. After Jesus had walked on the water, you know, he got left on the mountain, he met the disciples walking on the water, and crossed to the other side, a bunch of people were, had already gone to the other side. I just want to lay a little bit of foundation before we start reading here. And uh, You know what? I put down passion on that, Linda. I think I'm going to switch to passion translation right here. Can we do that? No? I think she's shaking her head no. No. That's a definite No. So you won't see it, but you'll do, you can just listen. Okay? Going to read from the Passion Translation. Boy, whoever got this Bible and let me use it. It's small print. <laughs> Maybe for you. Okay. He had crossed over to the other side, so we're going to start with uh, verse... 26. I'll start with verse 25. When the people found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? This, so I'll find 26 here, 626. 25. When they finally found him, they asked him, Teacher, how did you get here? Jesus replied, let me make this very clear. You came looking for me because I fed you by a miracle, not because you believe in me. So he called them out immediately. Why would you strive for food that is perishable and not be passionate to seek the food of eternal life which never spoils? Hmm. I, the Son of Man, am ready to give you what matters most. For God the Father has destined me for this purpose. They replied, So what should we do if we want to do God's work? Oh, and this makes me want to just like jump up and down here for a second. So I'll pretend. 
Jesus answered, the work you can do for God starts with believing the one he has sent. It starts with believing in Jesus. He is the Son of God. That's one of the things before we baptize. You know, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he hung on the cross for you, that he was resurrected in three days, then went to be with the Father, and is an intercessor on your behalf. An intermediate, he, he's with the Father. Yes, 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 then I baptize you in the name of Jesus. Jesus answered, the work you can do starts with believing in the one who he has sent, which was Jesus, me. They replied, show us a miracle so we can see it, and then we'll believe in you. Moses took care of our ancestors who were fed by the miracle of manna every day in the desert. Just like the scripture says, he fed them with bread from heaven. What sign will you perform for us, Jesus? The truth is, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. It's my Father who offers bread that comes as a dramatic sign from heaven. The bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give his life to feed the world. Jesus is the bread of life. That's the first one that I read of the seven I am statements. I am the bread of life. Then, please, sir, give us this bread every day, they replied. Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me, and you will never be hungry. Mm. So how do we get the bread of life, the bread of Jesus? Come every day, and you'll never be hungry. Believe in me, and you'll never be thirsty. Yet I've told you that even though you've seen me, you still don't believe in me. But everyone my Father has given me, they will come. So that makes it really clear right there that, that the Holy Spirit, Father, Holy Spirit, draws people to Jesus. He's the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So when God, when the Holy Spirit starts dealing with people, they're drawing them to Jesus, right? And all who come to me I will embrace and will never turn them away. That's a great feeling, isn't it? No rejection from Jesus. I've come out of heaven not for my own desires, but for the satisfaction of my Father who sent me. And we're called for the same thing. It's not to satisfy all of our own desires, but to, satis but to satisfy the Father who has a plan and a direction for each one of our lives. Right? Somebody say amen. Amen. My Father who sent me has determined that I will not lose even one of those he has given to me, and I will raise them up in the last day. For the longing of my Father is that everyone who embraces the Son, who's the Son? That everyone who embraces Jesus, the Son of God, and believes in him will experience eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. Yeah, now that, that's an amen and a hand clap right there. When the Jews who were, who were hostile to Jesus heard him say, I'm in, I am the bread that came down from heaven, they immediately began to whine, moan, and complain. How can he say that these things are about himself? We know him. We know his parents. How dare he say, I've come down from heaven? Isn't it amazing that 
when we start sharing the good news of, of, of the gospel with people and we start sharing testimony about what Jesus has done in our lives, like, yeah, but I know who you were. I know what you did. You know, it's like <laughs> sometimes there are things that we have to end up enduring, affliction that we have to go through in order to be able to share the good news of the gospel. Sometimes there's going to be a little bit of, a little bit of torture there. Jesus responded, stop your grumbling. The only way people come to me is by the Father who sent me. He pulls on their hearts to embrace me. You felt that tug on your heart before? You were drawn to Jesus by the Father. And those who are drawn to me, I will certainly raise them up in the last day. He continued, it's been written by the prophets, they'll all be taught by God himself. If you're really listening to the Father and learning directly from Him, you will come to me. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. For I'm the only one who has come from the Father's side, and I've seen the Father. I speak to you living truth. Unite your heart to me and believe, and you will experience eternal life. I'm the true bread of life. Your ancestors ate man in the desert, and they died. Standing here before you is the true bread that comes out of heaven. And when you eat this bread, you will never die. I alone am this living bread that has come to you from heaven. Eat this bread, you'll live forever. The living bread I give you is my body, which I will offer as a sacrifice so that all may live. Jesus came knowing his purpose, knowing what was going to happen, yet sacrificed his body. When, I, when we read the, the other translation like King James or New King James or some of those, it says, you eat my flesh. That just sounds, sounds crazy to read, but what he is saying that I came in a body of flesh and I sacrificed that flesh for you. So when you partake of me, when you feast on me, when I'm in you and you're in me, you're feasting on me and what I've done for you, and then you will see eternal life. These, well, these words of Jesus sparked an angry outburst among the Jews. They protested, saying, does this man expect us to eat his body? Jesus replied to him, listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. When we partake of the, of the body, you know when we partake of communion and they break the bread and say, you know, he's, take of this, this is my body, partake. This is my blood. His body, he, he had the emotions. He went through everything in his flesh and he had to deny his flesh to be sacrificed on a cross from a whole bunch of subpar human beings that he loved and that he came down, sacrificed himself for them, his body, that precious body. So when we partake of the bread, we're partaking of the body of Jesus Christ. This makes sense? Okay. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body, drinks my blood. I will raise him up in the last day. For my body's real food for your spirit. His body is food for our spirit. 
So he starts that talk in the beginning about all you're worried about is food. You're, you're wanting the miracle. You're wanting more food. You're wanting to take care of your physical, of the lusts of the flesh, but I'm after your spirit. My body is a real food for your spirit. My blood is real drink. His blood is what saves us. His blood is what forgives us. His blood is what heals us. The one who eats my body, drinks my blood, lives in me, and I live in him. The Father of life sent me, and he is my life. The Father of life sent me, and he is my life. In the same way, the one who feeds upon me, I will become his life. The Father was Jesus' life. Jesus is our life. When we feed and feast on Jesus, He becomes the primary source of our life. I'm not like the bread your ancestors ate and later died. I'm the living bread that comes from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. Eat this bread and you will live forever. Jesus is the bread of life, the way, the truth, the life. No way to the Father except through the Son, Jesus Christ. He's the one that gives us the power. He's the one that gives us the authority. He's the one that teaches us, that steers us away from the doctrines of demons. Let's stand together. If there's anybody this morning that wants to boldly come forward, if there's anybody this morning that wants to boldly come forward because they want more, if there's anybody that wants to boldly come forward because they want to be filled with that Holy Spirit, empowered to accomplish His will in their life, I just encourage you, come this morning. Jesus wants to be your all in all. You put your life in Jesus' hands, there will be refreshing that comes. You put your life in His hands, there will be authority in your life. Refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. Father, I, I, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I love you. There's nothing more that I want for my life than to be pleasing to you, to be accomplishing your will this day. Guide us. Direct us. Speak your truth to us this morning. I just give you thanks. I just give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus and say, bless your people today. And as you go out into your week, that you would be, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. You would be his light. You would be salt and light to the world around you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.